Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His his presence continually. This is from Psalm 105, verse 4. And Psalm 27, verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, Seek my face. My heart said to you, Your face, O Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. <coughs> Today's Gospel, taken from John chapter 6, we see that the Jews and the, the, the people that were following Jesus, the 5,000 who had 5,000 men plus women and children who had eaten of the loaves and the fish which He had blessed, are now seeking after Jesus and, he's, and they're seeking him diligently and they're going through uh, many difficulties in order to find him. And then when they find him, Jesus says to them, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. And so today we have to ask ourselves, and remember this is the theme of this year, the theme of this year is, is the vision of God or the desire to see God. The first is that we have to ask ourselves and examine ourselves, am I seeking after God? Am I seeking after God? And when I seek after God, it changes my life, it changes the day to day. I can go through the motions of the Christian life. I can say my prayers in the morning. I can say my prayers at night. I can fast on Wednesdays and Fridays. I can come to church on Sunday. And I can go through all of these practices. But if behind those practices I'm not seeking God, they'll fall short. They'll fall short. Yes, it's beneficial. It's good. But if the goal is to seek God, I have to keep my eyes on on that desire. Sometimes I come to prayer and my prayer falls flat. I feel like God is not there. Now you have two choices, to pray more or to stop praying. Believe it or not, a lot of people stop praying. I don't feel it. I don't think God is there. I don't sense that God is, is hearing or, or, or is, is with me. And this means we have to seek after Him more. Because there are times where we don't feel the presence of God. There are times where we get distracted from this goal. In the book of Proverbs, Solomon the wise says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God, for the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. We have to seek God, and when we seek God, He finds us. And that's the beauty of this mystery, is that we don't find Him we'll never be able to find Him. We could never be able to find Him. He is the one 
that reveals himself to us. It's not that I've fasted enough. It's not that I've prayed enough. It's not that I've gone to church enough. But because of his mercy and his grace, he reveals himself to us. Very much like today's story taken from uh, about the, the conversion of St. Paul. Acts chapter 9. He's on the road to Damascus and he's not seeking God directly. But he is trying as much as possible to accomplish God's will, what he thinks God's will is. And that is to fight against the Christians. This is what he thinks is his purpose. Probably in his intentions, in his heart of hearts, God saw something that nobody else could see, especially the people in the church who were scared after he had been converted and after he had been baptized. But when he's on that road to, to Damascus, our Savior appears to him and says to him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says the right words in the right way to plant a seed in the heart of Saul, who then is alone, fasting and quiet for a couple of days until Ananias comes and baptizes him. But during this time, you can imagine what his heart was thinking or what his mind was feeling. I use those words, heart and mind, and I change the, the verbs, the actions, because they're together. The mind can think and the heart can feel when they're together, but never mind. That now we're going forward. How, do we, how was St. Paul seeking after God during this time? We know that he was seeking after God from the response of what happened afterwards. Now, not everybody who seeks after God, or I should say not everybody to whom God reveals himself, not everyone turns and looks at him. Not everyone follows after what they have seen, what they have perceived. Not everyone is able to receive that. And that's when we come back to those practices of prayer, of fasting, going to church, and also of doing service, giving alms. This prepares the heart for the revelation of God. This prepares the person to receive that vision of God. So that when we seek we find. And when we knock, the door is open. And when we ask, we receive. And just like Christ said, not everyone who seeks finds. And not everyone who knocks is the door opened unto them. So now we say, how do we seek God? Do we seek like the Jews here? Our Savior gives them words of advice. He says to them, you seek after me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. There are times in our lives where we seek after God. We seek after Him when we might need something from Him. We seek after Him when we need His, uh, His comfort. If there's a crisis, we seek after Him. If we are depressed, if we are upset, if we are lonely, if we have anxiety... We seek after Him when it is convenient for us. Right? Just like my son might conveniently find me when he needs some money. It's not like that. He's not always like that. But they conveniently find you when they need you for something. But are we like that when we approach God? 
only in those times of darkness do we, always, do we remember that we have a Savior who is mighty and able to save? Or do we remember Him when nothing is going on, when life is good? St. Augustine meditated on Psalm 1. Psalm 1, it said, um, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And St. Augustine contemplated the day and the night as being day when things are good. The one who seeks the Lord when things are good and there are no problems. And night being the time when there are problems and there are difficulties. Seeking the Lord day and night, not just when it's bad, but also when things are good. And there are so many wonderful examples of those who sought after God and received from Him the blessing they were seeking after. Remember Mary Magdalene when she went to the grave very early on Sunday morning on the day of the resurrection. She went seeking after Christ but in a way that probably we can't understand or maybe we don't quite get but we should understand it and we should pursue it. She was going to the tomb to put spices on a dead person on a dead person who was very dear and near to her heart. She didn't know what she was going to find. Or she didn't know that she was going to find the risen Lord. Of course, if she had known and others had known that the Lord had risen, many would have gone after her, after, uh, after, or gone to the tomb. But she went in a way that was better than the disciples. The disciples were scared. The disciples were quiet in their rooms, uh, hiding from the Jews, scared of dying. Mm -hmm. And she very courageously, very boldly, went to seek after Christ, who she did not know had risen from the dead. It's good for us to seek after God without any strings attached. It's good for us to seek after God even if we're going to go through problems and tribulations, trials, even if there's going to be periods of time in our lives that are very dark, Job, in the very beginning, said, The Lord gives and the Lord takes. Blessed be the Lord. And later on, after his trials, in chapter 13, he says, Even if he kills me, yet will I trust in him. We need to change, and we need to look to God and seek after him, no matter what happens in our lives whether it's good, whether it's bad, we have no one else to go to but Him. And at the end of this discourse, we're, we're going to be concentrating on John chapter 6 for the next three weeks. We're going to take different parts of it. John chapter 6, it's the, the, the feeding of the 5,000. Then they seek after Christ, which we read today. And Christ says to them, do not labor for the food which perishes. And then He speaks in the, in the final part about how uh, I am the bread of life. And then, Saint, and then it says that many left him. And, and, and Christ turned to the twelve and said, Do you also want to leave me? And Peter says to them, Where are we going to go? To whom should we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've got nothing else but you to go to. We have nothing else that we can hold on to 
but you. And this, my brothers and my sisters, is how we have to train our heart and our minds to understand that we have nobody but God who is our anchor, who is our rock, who is the one who will save us, who is mighty in his deeds, even if he doesn't give us what we ask for. Even if we feel, although all of our prayers are answered, we feel he's slow to answering a certain prayer. He gives us another piece of advice, not only to seek after him, but he tells us, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. And this is not a word about food exactly or per se. This is not about what you're going to eat in a few minutes or what you're going to eat tonight. This is not about that. This is about do not labor for the things which are, are dead, the things that are, can't give life. Food is dead, right? And the saying, you are what you eat, in a way is very philosophical, it's very deep. We're eating dead things, and if this is where we think our life is coming from, we're confused. Because we are going to be like the food we eat, dead. That's, what's, that's the path of every, every human being. But the everlasting life is what we have to put our focus and our time and our effort and think about your day, divide up your day, and think about where is your mind most of the day. Yes, we are punished because of the sins of Adam, and we have to work with our hands, and we have to travail in this world. I have to go to work 9 o'clock in the morning, I have to come back at 5, hopefully it's 9 to 5, maybe it's a little bit longer. But that occupies most of my day. I live outside of my house most of the day. I have to do things for other people, that I wish I didn't have to do for most of the day. I'm not talking about me as a priest. I I, I have a good job. I like my job. Uh, I pray for you. But the idea is that it doesn't... by, By the way, I can talk a lot about how a priest can be completely distracted from his service. Even though he's taking confessions, visiting homes, you know, visiting people in the hospital, he can be doing all of this, praying liturgies, and his mind is someplace very far away. I can talk a lot about that. So don't think I'm lucky that I can you know, do what I do. It takes a lot of concentration, a lot of work. And sometimes I feel it's easier for you than it is for me because it's, it's almost common. You know, how many times do I say our Father? I still have to say it with the same intention and the same, uh, and the same meaning as all of you. Just because I say it over and over again doesn't mean... I'm getting lots of blessings. No, I'm getting lots of curses because I'm not, if I'm not saying it from all of my heart, with all of my mind. Um, but for you, to go out into the world in your work and in your service and what you do, you can't lose sight or lose focus of the food which endures to everlasting life. And when we say, give us this day our daily bread, we're talking about that food, the food that is for everlasting life. We're not talking about the food that we eat. God promised, Christ promised us, do not worry about what you shall eat or what you shall drink or what you shall wear. And he talks about the lilies of the field. He talks about the birds of the air. He says, you are of more value than all of them. So when we pray, give us this day our daily bread. We're talking about the bread that is for everlasting life. The super essential bread, the spiritual bread, which is our reading of the Psalms, our praying of the Psalms our reading of the scripture, 
uh, of course, partaking of the body and blood of Christ becomes our daily bread or the bread of tomorrow. The work that we labor for, for the sake of God's, of God's name, what we do for His sake, this becomes, or for us to see Him or for us to draw closer to Him, this is when we are laboring for the food which is for everlasting life. When we put our riches in the kingdom of heaven, we give them to those who are in need. This is how we hold on to the riches and we are become rich in, in the kingdom of heaven. This is a completely different mindset from what this world teaches and what from this world encourages. And what It's not about what the world teaches. It's what it makes us feel comfortable. It kind of lulls us into a coma. And so we are not on fire about the food which perished. We're not on fire about the food which is for everlasting life. And we find ourselves only remembering to seek God in our spare time. Or we are able to carve out Sunday mornings most of the year. Right? But we are, in a way, we, we are... I don't want to say encouraged, but in a way we are saying it's okay, it's all right. And then we start looking to our right and to our left, and we see that maybe other people aren't as encouraged about our faith and we about their faith, and we feel okay. Well, you know, I'm not as bad as those people over there. I might not be as good as those people, so I'm right in the middle, and 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 hopefully that'll be good enough. And we've talked about good enough and mediocrity before, how that doesn't go well with the spiritual life. So our task this week, and especially as we are preparing for Great Lent, it's at the end of this, uh, at the beginning of next month. Uh, This week, we're we're off. Next week, we have Jonah's Jonah's, uh, fast. The week after that, we're off again, and then we start Great Lent. We all start at the same time. We all begin Great Lent. And so we're preparing ourselves from now. Setting up our lives from now. Organizing our schedules from now. I'm, you know, I, I'm as a priest, I organize two weeks in advance. I'm sure all of you do the same. But we organize our lives in a way that we are getting ready. Our activities we're going to keep to a minimum so that we can have more time for our spiritual lives. We're going to cancel our cable from now so that at the beginning of March and April I'll save you $400 on some of your bills. March and April we can cut that out and, um, and that, that time can be spent that time can be spent reading spiritual books and hopefully uh, in the next weeks I'll have some for you but I know many of you have in your library reading spiritual books doing acts of service and mercy fasting and prayer. Remember we say blessed are those who give to the poor and fast and pray. And we're talking about fasting, prayer, and almsgiving. Almsgiving is not just money. Almsgiving is doing actual acts of mercy for those. So in this time, we are going to help encourage ourselves to seek after God. Let Him be the center of our families, center of our church, center of our lives. And let us not be lazy about this. Let's not wait till March 3rd and say, Oh, it's the fast tomorrow. Now I gotta, you know, finish the whatever I I just ate for uh, what's that they call the refat? What's this? This is nonsense. We don't have to have a day that we gorge ourselves 
on food that is just gonna it's just gonna be there a few hours. Right? Let's I'm I'm preparing you mentally. I'm preparing you mentally for that day. Okay? So that we can all be together. And when we are fasting and God is seeing our fasting, He He is the one that comes to us. We don't convince Him to come to us through our fasting. He's the one that sees us in our low estate and He raises us up. So let us work together as a, as a church for this. Let us seek after Him for the right reasons, not for the, for the things that we are in need of, but for the things that we, uh, we, we come to Him out of love, knowing that there's nobody else to whom we can go to who can satisfy us. And let us labor after the food which endures to everlasting life and not for the food which perishes. To God be the glory, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, now and ever into age of all ages. Amen. Amen.